Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. Uh, today I am going to be your host and we are talking all about winter warmers. It really has gotten to the time of year where we need some winter warmers. It is chilly outside. Not like snowy chilly, just Irish horrible. <laughs> chilly. <laughs> today I am joined by Tandy and Lisa. Say hello. 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 Um and uh yeah, they're looking cozy. Lisa's got a lovely hoodie on. And so has Tandy. So I'm before we one. yeah, before we jump into our episode, um, I'm gonna invite you to like, subscribe, share all our social medias. Uh you we are on all of the podcasters, we're Beer Ladies Podcast. We have our website, beerladiespodcast.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Mastodon. We are on Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. <laughs> so that said, uh, what are we? Let's go to what are we drinking? Let's start with Lisa. So I've gone Belgian. Uh, I have a Naranka Père Noël, which is their exceptional Xmas beer. So we're <laughs> we're all in. We're all in on that. Uh, this is a beer, um, and I was saying before we started, I probably have this like once every three or four years. I forget about it in between, and then it it reappears. I happen to find it at uh, one of our local bottle shops. So it's um, it, it's very warming. I'll say that, 7%, and it's it's a 7% you feel. So it, it's a sipper, but perfect for a chilly night like this. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm. And Tandy, what are you drinking? Right, I've got uh, eight degrees brewing. It is an oak aged barley wine. Just show the can over there Ooh. for those watching. It's uh, even bigger than yours, Lisa. I see. I see <laughs> you and raise you. Twelve point two percent. Oh, yeah, very big. And um, so also going to be a sipper. But um, I've been saving this one specifically for this episode because I don't typically drink such big beers. Um, they. they they're often too much for me, but I'll tell you what, there is something about, as you say, cold weather, sipper of a beer, it almost feels like you're drinking a whiskey as opposed to like a beer, mm. but yes, that's how I'm treating this one. So a nice slow burn and yeah, 
okay, it's barley wine. Thank you, eight degrees. Very nice. Very nice. And our eight degrees are, are they've packed, called it a day, have they? Or did I make that up? I want to say they've been put up for sale in the original ah, okay. folk had all, I think, exactly that uh, moved on. Uh, but I could be wrong about that, but I, I think they are on the uh, block, as it were. But they were yeah. great. They were great in the earlier days of, well, kind of the mid days after you had the porterhouses and the O'Hara's, you know, mm. there was the little middle section. So what I'm drinking is, let me show you the can, Lock Gill Shield. Can you see this? Ooh. Oh, yes. There we go. It is a Irish whiskey barrel aged imperial oatmeal stout with coffee. There we go. Ooh. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and it is 12% Ooh. and it's aged in barrels from the Bowen distillery. Ooh. There we go. I was uh, in Sligo with work at the weekend. So I was like, Hey, where can I pick up Lockdale beers? And so they steered me to uh, Foley's off license where I they had the whole range. It was great. Oh, amazing. So oh, I picked this one up specifically for the episode because I love a coffee. Mm. Mm. And I love the yeah. artwork on that series where they've got different sort of uh, artifacts. There's the torque one, there's uh, a shield you've got. Oh, I'm trying to recall it. Oh, yeah, there's an OM one. Oh, um, one. They're really, really lovely artwork it's nice to see them you know picking up a sort of uh heritage theme and making it just really very modern and beautiful exactly yeah and um winter warmers what are winter warmers well and this is the thing it's such a catch-all isn't it because we have christmas beers we have winter warmers and it all gets a little bit muddy and and i think we can we can do some myth busting so i as per usual i'm, I'm putting on my my myth busting hat. If I'd been smart, I'd have got like a Santa hat or something and I could have put on a physical <laughs> myth busting hat, but alas, uh, couldn't find one. So I think we'll start with winter warmers because this is one where at least there's a little bit more um, more of a paper trail, if you like to say what they are and, and what they are not. But again, having said that, it's one of these things where if you call it one, is it one? Just by default, it's winter and it might make you feel warmer. So anyway, but that said, um, the first beer that we can actually see labeled as a winter warmer is actually Young's Burton Pale Ale. They changed the name of their normal Burton Pale Ale in 1971 and said, it is a winter warmer. So <laughs> as far as I'm aware, no change to the recipe. They just realized that that particular style of beer was not really selling anymore at that point. So they said, ooh, what if this is a winter beer? And again, as, as per usual with any kind of British beer history, uh, you know, Shout outs to Martin Cornell, Ron Pattinson, who have done the work on, on looking into this, but um, especially when a shout out Ron, who, uh, you know, went to, went to see, you know, exactly how these were made um, and what was in those original Burton Ales that then get rebranded. We have pale malt and American six row, uh, basically equal portions, some flaked maize. So that might surprise people potentially that that was in there. Bit of sugar, bit of caramel, and again, more, more for coloring than anything else and lots and lots of golden hops so we're looking at very english hops you know kind of the more um i'd say more low-key if, if you like but again when you're hearing that i think and i can see tandy the you know, the wheels are turning you're thinking this is going to turn out kind of sweet it's going to be you know a little bit heavy you know um but i think especially you know when you get that sugar and you get that little bit of the the maize in there you start to get kind of a i don't want to say viscous but i think you get a, you know you get a feel 
in there. I feel, so. I feel like maize actually thins out the body. I could, and, yeah, yeah. And so, like you'd you'd normally see maize in things like lagers, um, because yeah. I mean, you you get a little bit of that sort of corn flavor, but I get that actually, sweetness, yeah. But yeah, yes, body wise, it, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it normally thins out the body, and sugar would often be added. Well, I mean, you can add sugar to any beer, but often it ups the alcohol without upping the multi flavors. So for me, yeah. this parallel sounds as if it might be actually a little bit thin, sweet, um, and m- maybe not at all what I would expect from something I would think of wintry or even a parallel. Let's be well, real. and I think again, what what do we mean by these things is is really important too. But again, thinking about this caramel for coloring, because I think we think of these winter beers as darker, um, heavier. Again, whether they are or not, they may be strong, mm. but not not sort of a heavy mouthfeel at the same time. Although certainly like mm. a barley wine like you've got is going to be a much more oof, uh, have a bit more, more oomph to it. And certainly Katie, yours, yours will be too. But I, I think it's interesting that we have that sort of English tradition that where they just sort of one day slapped a label on it. And again, this will, this will become a theme and said, this is a winter warmer. Uh, <laughs> and they've been, I, I think there's absolutely been change in the style since then. And again, I think now they tend to be, you know, what people more expect this, you know, sort of almost like a, like a Belgian double in some ways where you have that candy sugar, you have that darker kind of um, and, and slightly heavier feel, but going, you know, potentially much stronger strength wise, but all over the place, I think. And then if you look at kind of some of the more the more recent ones that I think of as just, you know, sort of big, uh, big church, if you like Christmas beer, you can have things with like, a you know, ginger in it, you could have, you know, nutmeg, all of these kind of spices as well, people can kind of almost throw whatever they want in almost like a pumpkin beer. But uh, I, I've definitely come across Christmas beers, which, which I'm air quoting that have all sorts in them. So I think you have this real spectrum of things that are just sort of, we'll say, and, and I'm just going to look at you know, hold up my beer where it's it's not super dark by any means. It's just sort of a caramel sort of a, a sort of a color, but uh, come from kind of that sort of color range to very, very dark. Again, maybe there are spices in it. Maybe there aren't. I feel like that's kind of more of an American thing, specifically putting like whatever spices we've got in, into the beer. Mm. But I think I'll, I'll and, and I know I'm being long winded, but I'll go back first and say there is this tradition, and I know we'll talk about a little bit more of sort of Scandinavian Christmas beers. And a lot of people would love to see continuity from kind of Viking beers because you have Yule and they brewed special beers for Yule. And I'll invite people to go back to our episode from a few seasons back where we really talked about these kind of um, beers that the Vikings brewed and, and you know, the Norse more, more broadly, and that it was such a big part of hospitality at this time of year. You got in trouble if you didn't do this right, or if you just didn't do it at all. If you were a slacker, you you really uh, could get in trouble with your uh, your chieftain, your king for not brewing your, your Yule beer. But it is interesting that there is, um, there is this tradition that continues in Scandinavia of releasing Christmas beers this time of year. And again, because people love to see any kind of, you know, long-standing tradition, they're like, oh, it goes back to the pagan roots. It, it doesn't. That's, that's lies. <laughs> uh, we see this. There, there's a little bit of it in the late 19th century. And then there's some of it in kind of the 1930s and 40s, but it really kicks off from the 1950s onwards. But that said, it has become this tradition. And there, especially, um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the Danish ones. And I have a lot of colleagues in Denmark, so I, I was trying to get up to speed on some of these. But lots of local beers lots of beers that are kind of nationwide there. And I think there is a really fun tradition that we can all kind of lean into. But um, again, I'm drinking a Belgian beer. So there's absolutely this Christmas beer tradition. Everyone's just kind of got their own take on it. And 
I think we like to kind of obscure some of the origins because it makes it a little more mysterious and fun. And people don't necessarily like it when you point out that Stella was originally brewed in 1926 as a Christmas beer uh, because it's a, you know, air quotes, boring lager. But that's <laughs> that's exactly where it came from. And you wouldn't think of it now as a Christmas beer because I feel like our tastes and attitude toward that have evolved. But originally it was like, ooh, look at this bright, shiny thing. It is a star. Oh, and so. I definitely, I definitely wouldn't consider it a winter warmer. Definitely not. No. And, and I think that's maybe an interesting thing too, is um, I can think of a couple of other strong loggers that are kind of in this space, like a semi-Klaus where it's like, who intense that fits into that kind of winter warming, if you like category, but yeah, we, we don't think of like, uh, you know, just a bright, clear lager as maybe a holiday beer anymore. So. Mm. Yeah, not really at all. And I was doing a bit of research for this and I found out all about J-Dog. This sounds amazing. <laughs> what is the snog? I have, I have, so I have these notes. So this is marketing at its best. <laughs> so like, I don't know if you remember back in the day, Guinness decided to have Arthur's Day. Oh, all yes. Over the world. They made up a day. For drinking beer hey. basically so but the danes the danes are doing it in style and uh i have my details over here so you know what i'm looking at so tuborg are the brewery that started this whole jdag and jdag is the day that they re- released their christmas beer which is julesbrook is that pronounced you you're better on your day my, my, my danish pronunciation is terrible but but again i would just call out my danish colleagues and say folks you need to tell us about these things but we'll come over if there's a day you know yeah, so Jule Break, I think it's like Yule beer, Christmas beer yeah. is what it means. There we go. And uh, it is a uh, strong dark pilsner at 5.6%. That's not very strong, but eh, it's okay. But interesting that it's in this lager tradition. So Yeah, but it's yeah. a dark. It says dark with a licorice and blackcurrant flavor. There we go. Mm. And so on the first Friday of November every year, Tuborg launches its uh, Christmas beer, Jailberg, whatever I said, and uh, it goes to all of the all of the pubs and all of the people that are distributing it are dressed in blue Santa suits and all of the people (laughs) will wear like blue Santa hats and they go and they drink all day. That's how amazing is that? That's very cool. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know if it comes out on the same day, but I, I, I first became aware of this, you know, one, just knowing a bit about the the, the kind of, um, you know, Yule and, um, you know, related beer tradition. But in Odense, which is, you know, where my, my work is based in, in Denmark, they have Albani Brewery and they have two Christmas beers. And in the local museum, they have a whole lineup of different bottles, like sort of from when they first began, um, I want to say in the 1960s. Uh, but they're, but again, they're loggers. So, you know, they're kind of the, um, the, you know, they're kind of the, the local Carlsberg, if, if you like, they still have kind of your standard, you know, regular plain old sort of dull lager, but then they have another, uh, you know, a whole other series of interesting beers, but they have two Christmas beers. So they have, and, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but they have Blaulus and Rudhede. 
uh, I'm trying really hard, uh, but they're both dark loggers again. So one, um, but again, one is uh, stands for blue light, Danish for blue light. So again, this blue and the other one is red riding hood. So also kind of a reddish dark lager, but I have been told that these are actually fantastic beers. People are really excited about them every year. Even people who aren't normally into beer kind of go and pick some up and, uh, you know, these are about uh, the one is one is seven uh, percent and the one is five and a half percent thereabouts. But I love that uh, the label on one of them uh, has a picture of the tower from the brewery covered in snow. And it's a beautiful brewery if anyone gets a chance to, to go there and visit. But because of that labeling, um, people called it the church beer because it looked like a stained glass window. Um, but then uh, that was kind of the only Christmas beer available locally. But then, as you say, Katie, like Tuborg was suddenly everywhere nationwide but I, I think people do have this uh this fondness for their local brewery and kind of always have so I've seen the uh the Albani ones and hopefully people will be putting a couple bottles aside for me for next time I get out to the office so yeah <laughs> I just I just think we should do a a beer ladies trip to Denmark for the first Friday in November some year done. yes I, I can know? find a work excuse this could happen yeah oh I'm in. <laughs> we're okay, all in so so We're all in, yeah. So help help a, a maybe a more newbie person out. But what is the difference, let's say, between a winter warmer and a Christmas beer, or is there a difference? Are they different things? I think it all depends on your point of view. Uh, so <laughs> I, th I think I, I think winter warmers. We can say so many things now call themselves winter warmers that you know we can look at those original beers that were basically the Burtons but that got relabeled as kind of one distinct tradition. And, and in fact, this is another interesting thing that a lot of the early, and again, early, we're talking late 19th, early 20th century, um, Belgian Christmas beers were just British beers that were imported. And again, they were kind of in this broad style category, we think. Uh, there's actually not, um, not anything sort of definitive, but it's interesting that that might've always been kind of the idea of what one of these looked like. So is that still a winter warmer or... Again, I think like the ones in America that get called winter warmers often have weird stuff in them. So mm. it's it's almost become this sort of nonsense term that doesn't quite mean anything. But I do like that a Christmas beer can also be that. So mm. again, it gets a little it gets a little muddy. And I don't know that any one definition would be correct. I want to say there is a BJCP winter warmers category I was, though. I was yeah. going to I was going to bring that up. There is there is a style. It's called a winter seasonal beer. And it's quite a broad category. So it's not it's not one specific style. It's more like interpret this how you will, but yeah. just be explicit about what's in it. So they talk about it being um, typically a stronger, darker spiced beer mm. that has a rich body and warming finish. Um, but the base beer can be a porter. It could be a stout. It could be an amber ale. It could be a Belgian triple or a Belgian dark strong or a quad. Like, it, it could almost be anything. You know, you could be taking a Doppelbock. And I mean, we spoke about box just a couple of weeks ago there. You could be brewing a Doppelbock with some kind of spice element. And, you know, the spice elements that, that they talk about are kind of Northern Hemisphere winter spices. Mm. So cinnamon, clove, vanilla, ginger, cherry sometimes. Um, you know, we, we talk about that sort of thing, but also reminiscent of things like mince pies. So raisins and currants, those yeah. are um, quite common. 
not not always from the addition of fruit or spices, but sometimes from the malts. So these can oh. give you those kinds of flavors, um, which is really cool. No, so no, but then actually that that brings up a great point. How does that translate this sort of uh, you know Christmas or Christmas time beer? How does that translate to the Southern Hemisphere when it's oh man not not so not so cold. No, not so cold. Hottest time of the year is around <laughs> Christmas time. And I mean, I can tell you that um, I used to just spend Christmas kind of like lazing around in the pool, often drinking something like beer shandies, even as opposed to beers, because they would be a bit lighter spritzier or even something like Prosecco or, you know, very light things. So if I was in South Africa for Christmas now, I'd be thinking of things like gozas and sours, mm. maybe a vice beer. You know, I'd be thinking kind of light um, and easy and citrusy. That's what I sort of think of with summer. Um, yeah, but, but but whereas now being in the Northern Hemisphere, I think of cinnamon and gingerbread and Christmas cake and mince pies and pastry and beef and Guinness stew. You know, I think of these things. Mm -hmm. So it is um, quite a different thing. And would um, breweries in the Southern Hemisphere release seasonal beers and call it Christmas beer, but it's flipped and it's what we would have in the summer called you know, Christmas? I haven't seen it. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But there are a bunch of, um, th there's a bit of a movement, at least in the, the circles that I played in for doing a Christmas in July. So my oh. homebrew club back in South Africa did a Christmas in July because that would have been our coldest month. Um, and we dressed up in our Christmas hats and our woolly jumpers. And, you know, you almost have your winter styles in July as opposed to December, Jan. So if anybody was going to brew something wintry like that, I'd expect it to come out then as opposed to being Christmas. Interesting. So, so you wouldn't mm. necessarily have like, like you said, like your Christmas goza or your, you know, your, your sort no. of Christmas shandy or yeah. not that I've seen, but you know, that doesn't mean that other breweries around the world don't do that. You know, there's Sierra Nevada that's got their very famous sort of um, Christmas seasonal IPA, yeah. which people, yeah. you know, people queue up for, well, queue up for is probably a strong term, but people love to get their seasonal every year. And, you know, we've spoken about this with, um, with pumpkin beers and with all these things that come and go with the season I think people are just excited by novelty you know varieties the spice of life and all of that so having something seasonal is really cool even if it's an IPA you know oh absolutely yeah definitely hoping to get get hold of some Sierra Nevada celebration when we're when we're mm. in the states over over the holidays because it is just such a lovely beer although then they also have some of their others like Bigfoot and others that feel again wintery in, in air mm -hmm. quotes even though certainly there's lots of parts of you know North America that are not so hot in December depending on where you are so you know mm -hmm. so something like a maybe, maybe almost like a, a cherry or you know sort of raspberry goza might be more you know That'd weather appropriate fitting. yeah if you're you know in mm -hmm. Baja or you know wherever you are so <laughs> yeah definitely absolutely. definitely and booze, boozy, boozy, boozy is another feature of winter warmers, if yeah. I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think so. And again, like you were saying before, Tandy, I feel like there's some that I save up for this time of year. Uh, and actually, you too, Katie, I think I had one of the other Lockgill ones for the Late Late Toy Show last year. Um, but it was very late. So mm, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it has mm. that, you know, that very boozy kind of quality. And yeah, more like more like maybe a whiskey or something that you just sip on. Yeah. You, you know, put it this way. This is the time of year that I drink a lot of sherry. I love sherry, uh -huh. <laughs> but I'd, I would never be drinking sherry in the middle of summer. It's oh, just yeah. not, 
just not season appropriate. And I think of it as the same as drinking a barley wine. I'd really prefer to drink a barley wine, a really strong stout, an you know, a barrel-aged anything or an imperial anything. That's for cold weather for me. Um, it's not it's not something I could just drink on any random Thursday in the middle of August. So I think they are quite boozy. But there are other things too that often um set these things apart. So for instance, barley wines and wee heavies, you might not have a lot of head on them. Um, mm. So so they're typically, you know, they're almost, I'm going to show this to the camera, but they've, they've got no, you know, foam, no head, no lacing. And that's just because of the, the literal booze content, the malt content, you know, there's, it just can't sustain, yeah. <laughs> can't sustain light, light and frothy head. Um, so it almost feels more spirit-like as opposed to... Mm. I um, have a question like. for you, Tandy. What did you say? A wee heavy? Mm. What's a wee heavy? A wee heavy is a Scottish beer style, and it's the strongest of the... Is it? It's the strongest of the Scottish beer styles, and it is a very malt-forward ale. So it's not very bitter at all, very malty, lots of uh, like rich kind of caramel and, and you know, almost deep, complex caramel to it beautiful beer if you can find one i haven't had one for ages but yeah. it could be a little bit smoky um so you know if you if you're very sensitive to smoke uh give one a try but it, they may not all be for you um but yeah very malt forward strong ales yeah I, nice. I like a wee heavy but mm. you're right I, i'm one of those people who's very very sensitive to the smoke. So I have to get one that's definitely mm. not in any way smoky, mm. TD, any of those things, which but they and both exist. Them. So yeah, yeah. The, you do get them. And normally they, they use specific kind of Scottish yeast. So yeah. these would have been yeasts that would have been harvested for many years and used within the breweries there. But, um, you know, Scottish beers is another one that we should maybe do an episode on. Maybe do some, some, you know, field trip, just, mm. just saying, you know, drink our way through the, the shillings. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, sixties, seventies, eighties, all that. Oh, and actually, you know, I wanted to say one more thing only because I'm drinking a barley wine and it came to, came to mind, but it's called a barley wine, but it's not a wine at all. It's obviously only made with grains, which makes it a beer, whereas wine is made with fruit. Um, so sake is also not a wine. It's a beer because it's made of rice, but barley wine was only named because of the alcohol content makes it closer to wine. So typically between 10, 12 can go up to 14% sometimes. So it's got wine strength, but made with beer ingredients. And you get a variety of it called a uh, wheat wine, which is really just a barley wine, but it's got uh, more of the multiple is, is made up of by wheat. So it'll bring those other wheaty flavors, sometimes a little tart, sometimes a little citrusy, but brady um, and strong. Yeah, strong like a barley wine. Yeah, and if anyone wants to get more on that, our, our Rye River episode, we uh, had their wheat wine sort of um, freshish, if you like, uh, uh, out of the barrel. Uh, and that was absolutely that. We, but you got you got that very sort of clean taste, but very, very strong, boozy overall, but just a, a really interesting take on that yeah because I, I do think that that the wheat does set it apart in a way where the barley wine is still much more it, mm. you know um it's not that it's not that the wheat wine is deceptive it's still very strong you taste it but the, the mouth feels a bit a bit different yeah mm. Mm. and wheat wheat sometimes makes things feel a little bit lighter i think in your mouth as well either that or it can be very creamy so yeah. it can kind of go either way um whereas you know barley you almost well you're sort of middle of the road there um yeah, but there's there's so many cool styles, and you know what I, what I think I like in 
theory or in principle is taking the base beer and just adding like a spice addition to give it a little, I don't know, Christmas cheer or festive cheer. Um, one of one of the best beers, one of the first beers that really got me into craft beer in general was a beer that I had in Canada. I actually think I've mentioned it on the pod before. It was from um, Sunbury based in Vancouver. Goose, no, not Goose Island. It's another island. Anyway, and they had this winter spiced ale and it was mind-blowing to me because I'd never tasted a beer that had these kinds of flavors and it was very yeah cinnamon and vanilla and and now it's probably way too sweet and way too much for me but at the time it was a revelation like I'd, I'd come from sort of like lager country so it was really different and interesting to me but I like the idea I think you know as maybe as a home brewer you know if you're thinking of making something like this um, there's so many ways you could do it. Take a brown ale, take a porter, take a stout, take a red ale, take whatever you want and just try and add something to it. I might do something like a brown ale because there's lots of like chocolate flavors in there and add in maybe hazelnut, maybe maybe a bit of coffee, haha, maybe it becomes a stout. But, you know, there, there's, there's all these things that you could add into it, um, whether it's nuts or spices or fruit. Or even cacao. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I can think the, the two that always stand out for me, the, the American ones that both have stuff in them. And I would put stuff because I feel like it changes a bit every year, which is which is all good. But uh, the two that I always think of is uh, Great Lakes Brewing in Ohio has a Christmas ale where, again, it starts off as just kind of a strong ale, but then they've got all kinds of different spices in it. And I've even seen mm. some places where they'll add like a dusting of something to the top of the beer when you get it, like maybe nutmeg Ooh. or cinnamon, depending on like how much that's already in the beer. It could be too much, you know, obviously if it's already there uh, really strong, but that that's one that's really, really interesting. Or um, another one that I would get every year and that I've done kind of vertical tastings of is uh, Trogue's Mad Elf, which is a, a, it's a Belgian strong dark ale with mm. cherries. And I'm not always the biggest fan of a beer with, fruit in it but that it's it's just again it's very just complex rich fruity you know all of those things but um it's all you know it's a little bit different every year but it's got other spices in it too like there's allspice there's again cloves mm -hmm. nutmeg all of these things we think of as as Christmassy and so if you do have the chance to do you know one of these vertical tastings where you're you know you're looking at ones over the past say 10 years and just see how that flavor has mellowed or changed or maybe sometimes it hasn't mellowed and it's gone not in a great direction because it can you know, can go either way, but that one is always really interesting. And I always like to compare, you could also get the naked elf where it didn't have the other stuff in it, especially not the cherry. It would just basically be the base beer. And they don't, I don't know if That's they still cool. do that, but that was something they did do every couple of years. And I, I'll be honest, I actually always preferred the naked elf, just the mm. kind of on its own. But again, you're talking, this is a beer that's like 11, 12%. It's, you're getting it in a little, a little wee glass, but uh, just, fascinating and always a little bit different every year because it's kind of like our pumpkin beers here is you know always slightly different depending on what's around so but mm. that's the thing exactly like you're saying you can be so creative and as long as you're keeping kind of in check you don't want it to go in the you know the yankee candle direction but uh Oof. yeah not just, just right say, less is more a little bit subtle mm. absolutely especially when you've already got a very strong beer like that's you know, it's it's mm. standing on its own anyway. As long as you've got these things that are complementing it, it's uh, it's good. Yeah. Uh, or it's honey too. Some... Yeah, that's another mm. one to put in. 
and maple. Um, hmm. I've seen a few of them using maple and shout out to Ballykill Cavern because right now they've got a maple and pecan brown ale. So got one in my fridge. Their, yes. Oh, so they've taken their Bambrick's brown, but they've, you know, added kind of maple and pecan, which just sounds glorious. And that to me is probably kind of the quintessential sort of idea of a winter warmer or a Christmas beer. It's not labeled as any of those, yeah. but it's the right, it's the, it's the feel of it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I like the nuttiness. Like I love that kind mm. of approach as opposed to the fruit, just because I'm not personally a big fruit person, although sometimes it works, but yeah, that's in my fridge. I'm excited about that. But that was actually a question I had for, for both of you is I feel like I don't see that many Irish beers labeled as either Christmas or winter warmer or, you know, or winter ale even. I'm sure they exist, but I feel like I don't see that many. And I wonder if that's I a sort think... of conscious thing. I've seen, I know White Hag have a Yule Ale. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Um, Didn't that one have peppermint though? Last year it did. And maybe it changes. Yeah. I, you know, I, maybe I think it changes. I could see it. Yeah. Mm. That's a good point though. Yeah. But I feel like I don't see the same numbers mm. of them. You might like if you go to the UK and everyone and their uncle has a Christmas beer out at the moment, but, uh, or mm. certainly go to, the, go to the US or Canada. But I, I wonder, is it just, we don't have the kind of scale for it or or maybe will I find, you know, next week there'll be a whole lineup at the underdog of all Christmas beers. I, I don't know. Are we manifesting again? <laughs> yeah. It's like you don't need too many. You just need the right number. You know, you need to have those couple. So I can see yeah. why people wouldn't necessarily want to go out, especially these are beers with a lot of ingredients potentially or mm. expensive, expensive grain bills to make. Yeah. 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 Plus they also, uh, depending on the style that underpins them, they can take a really long time to make and mature. So, Definitely. you know, if, if you're a home brewer thinking of making a Christmas ale in the beginning of December, you're already too late. Like, <laughs> so, so tip for next year, start brewing this thing in like March um, and let it age because these kinds of beers, especially when you get over like 8% ABV, you really want them to sit for a good amount of time to condition and round out the flavors because what happens is that they're just too green or they're too sharp and you know they're just too, either too boozy too warm and that often happens with new high high alcohol strength beers so you know don't don't do that uh, rather brew them as early in the year as possible and then set and forget them and only open them up at christmas that sure. sounds like a plan mm. yeah find a barrel oh. yeah except yeah. i would need i would need to plan ahead in order to do something like that and then it's like... <laughs> no no it's a pain i actually think i might do that though you know coming now in the next few months i think i might try and make a bit of a stronger winterier something and then i'm going to forget about it because i'm i'm notoriously bad at either bottling on time or not labeling my beers or, you know, j just so many things I do wrong with brewing. And uh, I think if I make this beer, bottle it within a reasonable amount of time and then put it under my stairs, I'm guaranteed to forget about it. Out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> oh God, I don't think I could ever forget uh, where all my beer was stashed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, now, I'm curious if this happens to both of you or either of you. I, I will do this. Well, I will have a barley wine or something else that's like much stronger that I'm like, I'm not going to drink it this weekend. I set it aside. It doesn't make it into the fridge. And then I open a box, you know, months later, I'm like, oh, these, someone needs to drink these and then they need to go in the fridge. So, but again, this time of year is when I'm 
looking for boxes or, or going through yes. and then being like, oh, I suddenly have all these high alcohol beers, which again is fine because weather and not going anywhere and sitting inside. But is is it just me or does everyone do this? I, I don't know. Well, I think a lot like the one that I'm drinking today, I didn't even put it in the fridge because I think it's nicer. Mm. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Oh, uh, some of them should warm up. Yeah, anyway, that's so true. Yeah. I think it's okay around if it's, as long as you're not, you know, hitting the 20 degrees or whatever. I think. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you're, if you're single digits, I think it's okay to drink them room temperature, to be honest. What yeah, do you think? Even, even double digits. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, things like, things like big starts and barley wines and, you know, Russian Imperial starts, these kinds of beers, you want to drink them at about 12 degrees. And I mean, I can tell you that my house is about 14 degrees. So this one never went into the fridge at all. It sat in my cupboard. And that's where it stayed. And I didn't put it into the fridge for today. It just came from my cupboard. And it's the perfect temperature. It sure. genuinely is. It's lovely. Oh, that's perfect. It's, so your cupboard is cellar temperature. It's just, oh, it's perfect. yeah. It, it, yes. So, well, during during winter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Lisa, in a way, there, there are some beers that I tend to forget about. But I don't have boxes and boxes of them like I think you do. <laughs> I've just got one or two that are sitting at the back because... I raid my cupboards every weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, that's true. I have my own little compartment in the IKEA Calax unit. You know, mm. has my love my, a good Yeah, <laughs> has my beer stash. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, those stronger ones. I better stay away from them now if I've got to do something. And then it's I never get back to them or something. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, or I'll set them aside for something like the Late Late Toy Show or, you know, mm. if there's going to be an event, something like that. And But then, again, age or whatever else, I, I just won't get to it. And then, like, you know, so bottle swap is what we need, just an event. So, But, you know, that, that raises another interesting one. You know, if you get some of these beers um, that are 12 or 14%, you know, or even 8%, should you wait or should you drink them straight away? Like, what is the mm. benefit of aging some of these beers? Is there really anything or is it actually up to the brewer to release it at the right time? That That is a really good question. I think that's, I, I've definitely had things that I've aged, whether intentionally or not, where some were amazing and some you could then go do that kind of vertical tasting and others. It was like, oops, this was in the back of the cabinet. And it didn't age so well. So, but yeah, it's it's a question of if the beer should be aged, should it just be sitting at the brewery until it's ready, until it's, uh, you know, ready to be a butterfly? Or should you be, should it be kind of on the consumer to be finding the the shelf space mm. for it? It's it's a really good question. And I think it, it really depends on the style, on the beer. Um, but even mm. then, sometimes you'll get one where you just maybe get the, the bad batch or maybe the good batch too, like, you know, but you've yeah. missed its peak flavor. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm going to say on winter warmers, right, you can actually get like in, uh, we'll say the German Christmas markets, you get glue beer, which is actual warm beer with all your spices added. And I'm like, I haven't seen that over here, to be honest. I don't know. And unless you're sitting in Christina's kitchen when she's making spiced (laughs) ale. Yes. Because that, that seems to be right up Christina's alley. But you can, you can, you can spice or warm wine, beer, or cider. I recently tried a, a mulled cider, guys. I made oh. it myself. It was delicious. Tell so us my, more. Tell us all about it. 
I literally bought the cheapest, worst cider in the world from Lidl. <laughs> and in my slow cooker, I added sugar and I added cinnamon and ginger and allspice and oh, some citrus peels and some cloves. And I let it sit for the whole day. And then that night had it and it was warm, apple spice. It was like warm apple pie in a sense. It was delicious. And now I'm keen to actually try it with something like a brown ale or something like a red ale. I wouldn't go too hoppy with this now. I'd go yeah. more malty. So an Irish red as opposed to an amber ale or a brown ale as opposed, you know, as opposed to anything um, IPA like. But I think it's I think it's well fun. Christina inspired me. And so I did it. <laughs> and it's delicious. Would you do it with yeah. a stout or a porter? What about mm. um, Hope's mm. Dublin Porters is not that it's a bad porter. Like no, it is a gorgeous beer. It's a good so porter, good. but it's it's not that strong. It might it might be nice for that kind of mm. I think you I think you could do it with a starter reporter. Uh, you might you might change it and add a little bit of vanilla essence or hazelnut essence if you've got it, you know, something like that to give it a nuttiness. I think you could absolutely play with it. Now, I I am too much of a grinch to go pouring good beer into my slow cooker. So to be honest, I'd be looking for the sort of cheaper, <laughs> you know, ones that you can get in six packs or eight packs because, you know, yeah. That's just me. But, you know, for, for those who do love to cook and have always said, you know, only cook with the wine that you want to drink. Well, then you pour your beer into your slow cooker by all means. It's just <laughs> not really me. <laughs> I, I wonder because I've had, well, okay, I've seen some of the different, you know, beers you can mull or have as like the goo, goo beer kind of a thing. But I know there's there's also kind of a Polish tradition of it and possibly a Czech one as well. And I wonder if we, if we went to... Um, you know, like the uh, the pub here, the, the Czech pub here, do they do that kind of a thing? I, I would be curious to find out. Um, and again, and then it's not a beer that I'm warming myself at home, but I wonder if they have that that kind of sort of uh, Eastern European, you know, sort of mold beer tradition. That would be interesting to try. So that'd be super cool. I don't know. Pilsner pub, let us know if that's a thing you guys are doing. I think we might need excuse to go there. <laughs> we might have to go on a fact finding mission. Mm. You know, Possibly. definitely. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, have we anything else to say on winter warmers? Have we covered I think it all? It can be whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. There we go. Exactly. And it's okay if it's in the summer and in July, if you're in the Southern <laughs> Hemisphere, it's still a winter warmer. Absolutely. It's fine. Absolutely. Oh. Now, actually, before Katie, before you wrap up, I wanted to tell everybody at home that if you haven't already seen we are going to be doing our very first live podcast recording, which is enormously terrifying. But we are also so excited. Super exciting. It's going to yes. be great. It's very exciting. So for everybody listening that is, let's say, in Dublin or able to get to Dublin for the 12th of January, we're going to be recording live. So all four of us in the same room at the same time unprecedented um we'll be at rascals thank you rascals for having us and um t tickets are on eventbrite but if you just go and look at our social media you'll find all the links everywhere or go look at rascals social media because they've organized the event tickets are free and you get a beer when you walk in so really no reason not to come 12th of jan come and see us yeah even if you're just going for their gorgeous pizza and gorgeous pints we'll be there so you know book yeah. in come see us free pint nothing uh nothing to lose and you can ask us as many complicated questions as you like so we're, we're here yeah. for it. Mm -hmm. 
we might not answer them, but you can no. ask them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And sure, you know, Thursday, January, you're broke. Go for your free beer. Here, here. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be very gentle. We're, we're very friendly. We don't bite. Uh, we would love to hear your questions. And for those doing dry January, Rascals did say that they would put on a non-alcoholic beer or at least have some available. So that's also not a concern. Definitely. Definitely not. Well, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Something to look forward to after the after Christmas. You still have something to look forward to. I think that's good. Yeah, and something affordable. We we should really lean into that. So yeah, even if it's you know post post holidays, your skin again free pint. Come have a good time. Yeah, exactly. And then you get the Lewis home. You'll be grand. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you live in Lucan. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, or or where I live. Oh yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I think we've come to the end of our episode. I'd like to thank you, Lisa, and I'd like to thank you, Tandy, for all your uh, chats and your interesting knowledge. I, as always, have learned something new, like I do every episode. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Beer Ladies Podcast Pod. Pod. At Beer Ladies Pod. Mm. You swear you think I'd have this at this stage? Sorry. <laughs> We're on Mastodon. We're also on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube where you can see our our lovely backdrops, backgrounds, our lovely festive backgrounds. Um, We also have our website um, and you can still order merch in time for Christmas, actually. I wouldn't leave much longer. I wouldn't leave much longer. And all the links are on our on our social media and on our website. And uh, you can catch us on all the podcatchers wherever you get your podcasts. So, uh, good night for now. Bye. 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 Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.